The Daily Rios, for Friday, August 10th, 2012. Feedback Friday. And there's a lot of feedback today, so let's get jiggy with it. First up, Luna June says, It's great to hear you talking comics again. Being an amateur playwright slash actor, what theater talk there's been is appreciated, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Thanks, Luna. Uh, the second year of my teaching gig at a local university is starting at the end of this month, so I'm sure I'll have more theater talk to jump into eventually, whether that's from the school or from the new Philadelphia theater season that I talked about on the July 30th episode. Also, I'll continue with my Musical Monday episodes, although not every Monday, as I take a trip up my own theater resume. I used to document each show with pictures, programs, cards, uh, in a photo album, but got out of the habit years ago. So I see these episodes as a new way to record memories, thoughts, what have you. And my girl is wrapping up her show this weekend, which was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, uh, a musical version of the Michael Caine, Steve Martin movie, which, believe it or not, actually kind of translates nicely to the stage, if not perfectly. For myself, I'm a bit on hold as I wait to hear about a corporate event gig, but if it falls through, I want to go back into auditioning and with that will come lots of stories, for sure. Speaking of theater, David S. from Philly writes in says, I'm not a big fan of musicals. They're just something I never got into. An old girlfriend of mine, her favorite movie was My Fair Lady. So she more or less forced me to watch it one time way back when, and I liked it. Even a few years after we'd broken up, we went to see the stage performance of it at the Walnut Street Theater, which was also very good, but my enjoyment level was taken down a few notches because I'm 6'4", and there's still no theaters with seats made to accommodate men of my stature. Across the Universe is really good, just a great interpretation of the Beatles classics. Uh, I also love Moulin Rouge. Thanks, Dave, for writing in. Uh, Moulin Rouge is a great example of the closest things a theater movie can achieve. There are certainly great movie musicals, Singing in the Rain, Grease, Chicago, Fred Astaire classics, but in terms of what it is to experience theater, Moulin Rouge comes extremely close. Baz Luhrmann, the man behind all three of the Red Curtain trilogy movies, which are Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet, and Moulin Rouge, he's very open about bringing theatrical techniques to his storytelling. And each movie utilizes theatrical elements in a different way, whether it's Strictly Ballroom with dance, Romeo and Juliet with language, and Moulin Rouge with song. It's that heightened sense of reality that he does so well, which also might put people off to theater, but I think there's another way to kind of think of it as well, if you are one of those people that... Uh, can't get into musicals. There's a scene in Moulin Rouge where Ewan McGregor's character, he's come to Nicole Kidman's character's room to get her to star in a play, and she thinks he's a rich duke. And the two can't get each other to listen to each other, so he finally breaks out into Elton John's Your Song. And she just stops, and she just listens. And that's what musicals are, right? Words aren't enough Words weren't enough for his character, so he had to go to the next ca next level. And that's no different than raising your voice or resorting to violence or phys physical whatever. You know, whatever the next phase is, the next step. You can't emote, so you speak. You can't speak, so you sing or dance or whatever. And it's classic, right? It's a great, great moment in that movie that is such a good example of what theater is and why, why it works for musicals. 
to the seats, you know, I, I don't blame you. Even my own size, it can be a tight fit at times. The Academy of Music, the upper balconies are insane. There are Broadway houses where you just, you're just about sharing a seat with your neighbor. The beauty of some of these theaters sometimes outweighs the comfort, and I think they know that. You know, I certainly don't know how they did it back a century ago or more with their tuxes and big dresses and smelly powder wigs. I, blech. All right, MJ Starchild says, You mentioned fairy tales. Here's a book I enjoyed, Snow White, Blood Red. It's tales as written by authors such as, as Neil Gaiman. I've never heard of it, so thank, thank you for that suggestion. I actually, this just yesterday, was digging through some of the books that are in uh, some of my storage bins here in my apartment, and I pulled out a book called Was, W-A-S, Was, and it's by Jeffrey Ryman. It's a parallel novel, uh, meaning it's a work of fiction derived from the framework of another work of fiction, and this one is based on The Wizard of Oz and the movie. Uh, it actually has... Snip, it has a storyline in it with Judy Garland. It has a storyline with the real, quote-unquote, real Dorothy Gale, but it's spelled G-A-E-L. Uh, so I actually loaned it to... I've read it years ago, and I, I really don't remember a lot about it. In fact, I, I want to say I even read it during a contemporary novels class in college, but I gave it to my girlfriend to read uh, if she's interested. I know she really likes the, the Wicked books, so here was one that is kind of cut from the same cloth. Jamie Dunst writes in and says, if you had to cut your comics to just five, what would be your top five books that you are currently reading that you would continue to read? Now, this one I did a little, you know, homework on, and I came up with Batman Inc. for my Morrison kick, Saga from Image by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples, because I love space opera, and that book is really helping to sate that interest, Morning Glories, also from Image, by Nick Spencer and Joe Isma. Uh, Glamour Puss, by Dave Sim. Just because I really enjoy his artwork and I enjoy what he has to say about comics and history and fashion. and I'm way behind on that book, but uh, I, I just I like his creativity. And the last one I came up with is Young Justice, from DC, from their kids' line, from their animated line, mostly to cover my Titans fix. So there's the five titles that I would continue to read. And he did ask, what do you think of the direction of Nightwing's history in the new 52 universe? And Jamie, I'm working my way after two other false starts through Flashpoint, and I'm, I'm way too early in that series yet to even catch up on the rest of the new DC 52, uh, what little I've read of that of the new launch. So uh, hopefully I can answer that <laughs> in another couple months or so. I've been try, you know, I tried to get through that. I'm trying to get through that flashpoint so I could get through the first year of DC Comics, and it's a lot, right? It's a it's a lot of comics that I'll have to plow through. But fortunately, my August is kind of slow. Uh, Michael with a K writes in and says, "I know you're a Matt Fraction fan from his Casanova days, and you mentioned Defenders as a current title that you're reading. What do you think of Fraction on Fantastic Four slash FF for Marvel now?" Matt Fraction is writing Fantastic Four with artist Mark Bagley. He's writing FF, which is the Future Foundation, and on art will be Mike Allred, and that'll feature Ant-Man, She-Hulk, Medusa, and a new character called Miss Thing. What do I think of that? I liked the Jonathan Hickman run on Fantastic Four, what I read of it. Um, 
Well, I guess I've read all of it leading into FF, leading into the death of Johnny Storm and a little bit beyond, and about eight issues of FF itself. I like the way it kicked off, uh, the potential of the characters, what Jonathan Hickman brought science-wise and tech-wise and idea-wise, like what he did with Valeria. Heck, I even like what he did with Doctor Doom. So it's hard for me to say one way or another, especially when it comes to Matt Fraction on a Marvel book, because I want to know which Matt Fraction are we getting. Are we getting Casanova Matt Fraction? Are we getting the writer of Thor or Defenders? Are we getting the writer of Iron Fist or Hawkeye? I don't read Iron Man, and I'm certainly hopeful that it's not the writer of Fear itself. The Fantastic Four book, yeah, the premise of both of them really don't interest me. I am going to read it anyway, especially the first issues, because I said I was going to read all of the Marvel Now stuff. The Fantastic Four premise is that is that they go on a year-long grand adventure that only takes place in four minutes in real time, so they're going to go across time and space. And there was a quote that I read from the USA article by Brian Truitt, and he writes a lot about comics. He's a great writer on, on the USA page. And they broke the news, quote-unquote, they broke the news that we already basically knew about who was doing what on the FF books. And the quote from Mac Fraction is, This is the place to be wildly inventive, and I would like to put as many things down on the page as humanly possible and offer up another dose next issue. Those are his words, not mine. We shall see. Eric from the Longbox Review Podcast says, Peter, I just saw you post... I just saw your Tumblr post that mentions your episode of DC Noise regarding the Trinity concept and I realized that I had no idea that you had done those podcast episodes. Not counting CGS, do you have a list of other podcast appearances? I don't, but I looked up what I could, and I did do the first three episodes of DC Noise for Derek Coward's Comic Book Noise family slew of podcasts. I've been on a few episodes of Uncanny X-Cast, Raging Bullets... On that show, I talked about the Great Darkness Saga and Green Hour Longbow Hunters. Uh, I've been on Comic Book Noise, I've been on Comic Timing, Earth Station 1, Episode 55, and probably a lot of others that I either couldn't find and or I'm not thinking of at the moment. And of course, I was on Longbox Review, Eric's podcast, uh, back in Episodes 28 and 29, where I announced a whole slew of plans for the Daily Rios. It had come out about a week or two before uh, the Daily Rios actually was out and released. So I'm kind of curious to go back to that episode to see if I kept my promises about the Daily Rios. David D. says, When you read your description of Jeff Lemire's Underwater Welder, I realized it was the first time I had heard or read a description of what it was about. I simply knew he had a new original graphic novel from Top Shelf, and that was everything I needed to know, and I am looking forward to it getting delivered to me next week. That lead me, leads me to a question... What, if any, creators or cartoonists do you order work from sight unseen and no questions asked? Another list that I wrote down, uh, Jeff Lemire is on that list. Tales from the Farm was the first thing I read of his. I think it's probably easier to list what I haven't read from him, which I know I haven't read The Nobody, and I am way behind. I think I've read maybe three to five issues of Sweet Tooth. For art, George Perez, I'll get... Anything he touches, sight unseen, just because I have a George Perez long box, or, or two, or five, or whatever it is. Uh, Grant Morrison, again, my list of not reads is probably longer than my reads. I haven't finished The Filth. I haven't read 
his pre-Animal Man work. I haven't read the second Sea Guy mini, and I need to finish his Super Gods memoir, and I haven't read uh, Vimanarama. And I, there's probably maybe one or two other things I haven't read. Or if I have read them, such as Doom Patrol or Batman, I either need to finish it or I want to do a reread of it because at the time that I read it, I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now on Grant Morrison. Dave Sim, I will definitely order his stuff. Keith Giffen, anything he does. I, I guess I shouldn't really say anything, but mostly everything that he does, especially on art. And a cur- more current artist, artist, Emma Rios, I actually, because we share her last name, I want to pick up everything she touches. So I'm slowly building her library as well. In a world where Avengers books are three ninety nine. Good lord, that's a lot of money. Good that's a lot of money. They are your front line to the Avengers comics. They defend you from bad books. They avenge the books that you may have missed. If you can't read Avengers books... If you're curious about what happens... Then this is the show for you. Alex Smith. I don't know if you know this, but I'm extremely egotistical already. Corporal. Why am I always like the black person? Viet Nguyen. Loud noises. Rage. Nerd rage. In. Mightiest Podcast. I have an army. We have a Mistress LeBeau. She-Hulk smash! Alright, now, now for some feedback specifically from certain episodes from this, this week. From Timeline Tuesday, Hilton Price says, I recommend... Brad Meltzer's Green Arrow run. It's fun and continues from Kevin Smith's run very well. I always liked Brad Meltzer. Do you like Identity Crisis? You bet I do. I like it quite a lot, and I thought it helped to kickstart the DC Universe at that time into everything that would lead up to Infinite Crisis. It was, that first issue was really kind of powerful and, you know, certainly controversial, and I rushed the day the last issue came out. I rushed to the store. I was, I think, living in Reading at the time, and I drove to the comic store, and I was driving like 60, 70 miles I, I, an hour. I knew it was out. I had to go get it. Uh, so, yeah, I do really enjoy it. And I know a lot of people who used Identity Crisis as their first foray into the DC universe, men and women uh, comic readers. And I know a few comic readers that that was their first comic book ever, and they stuck with it, and they... It opened up their eyes to a larger DC Universe and other comics, so I think it holds uh, an interesting place with a lot of people. And I'm certainly, I'm sure there are detractors. I'm sure I'll get an email or a comment, oh, I hated Identity Crisis. Great, whatever. But it's, it did. It did a lot for DC and those characters at that time. Mike Ortiz writes in to say, 
kind of funny. My my younger half-brother, half-sister, their last name is Ortiz as well. He says, I do believe absolute authority was the first absolute. I don't believe the absolute name was intended to be a line name, but just the name of the volumes. Absolute as in everything you need to enjoy the authority. Plus it had a nice ring, alliteration, and I suspect a play on absolute power corrupts absolutely. I recall picking it up off the shelf, but deciding the price wasn't worth it since I had the trades and there was very little extra material. If it hadn't been shrink-wrapped, I might have changed my mind if I saw the art. Eventually, I became an absolute junkie with 20 of the 33 volumes released so far, and both of the unofficial volumes, JLA Avengers and World Great, World's Greatest Superheroes, neither of which carry the absolute name, despite being the same size and format. Great, Mike. Thanks you, thank you for that clarification. I appreciate that. The absolutes are enticing, to say the least. Of the absolutes that I had purchased, I think I've sold every single one. I can't remember what's over on my shelf, actually, if I have anything. I think I bought the Watchmen one. I bought the Crisis one and actually sold that, surprisingly. JLA Avengers, I sold that. I was thinking about getting the Sandman ones, but I didn't. Yeah, it's an interesting format. Oh, what do I have coming? I think I have... Well, that's an omnibus. I have the Invisibles omnibus. I know I ordered Absolute Final Crisis possibly Infinite Crisis, and maybe a few other ones. But, yeah, same thing. I just don't have the room to store some of these things. My shelf is tiny. And if it doesn't fit on that shelf, I don't really have any other shelf. I mean, I guess I could buy another shelf, but I don't really want to. So that's really what's keeping me away from some of those formats. From New Comics Wednesday, Chris Beckett says, I was laughing out loud at your opening rant because I agree with everything you said. Also, your comment on the Tony Moore-Robert Kirkman lawsuit, spot on. Thanks for the show. Martheus Wade of Toshigawa.com, the creator of Jetta and, and a whole bunch of other stuff over there, which I think you can find on Action Lab now and soon to be uh, uh, drive through Comics, and I've, I think he's going to digitize all that stuff. So you can go check it out, Toshigawa.com. He also weighed in on the Robert Kirkman-Tony Moore issue, and says, I totally agree. I hope this clears up in a good way. Indie Comics needs an untarnished light, sort of like how Harvey Dent was in the Nolan Batman movies. This situation could blow up and put a black eye on creator rights. And that ultimately was my point as well. It's now going to become a footnote. Every time somebody talks about Robert Kirkman's success of The Walking Dead, there's now going to be a footnote. Oh, by the way, he's in litigation with against Tony Moore about co-creator authorship, so, you know, it's it's got a little bit of a blemish on it now, or a lot of a blemish. So that's it for Feedback Friday. Uh, a recommendation, Ryan Sanyo, he actually started a podcast in the Daily Rio style. He says, I think Peter Rios has inspired me to start a podcast in his Daily Rio style. We'll see what, it trans- what I transform it into, and he's put out three episodes so far. You can go to tumblr.com slash tagged slash Sanyocast, and that's spelled S-A-I-N-I-O-C-A-S-T. C-A-S-T. Sanyocast. So, awesome! My first inspiration, and uh, we'll see how he does. And I've listened to all three episodes, and they're great. It's just, I have I know nothing about Ryan Sanyo, and I'm learning stuff about him, and that's really what podcasting was all about. So, I appreciate his effort, and I look forward to more. If you want to contact me, Peter at thedailyreels.com. 
Leave a comment on the website. Subscribe in iTunes and go leave an iTunes review. Follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios. That's it for this week's worth of episodes. Next week, I have no real plan just yet. I might do another Musical Monday. I am currently re-watching the Nolan Batman trilogy, and I have notes on the first one so far. Slowly making my way through the first volume of Why the Last Man so I can start my 50 Trades of Rios reviews. And I should be releasing the Zero episode of Tower in the next few days. There is a feed. I'll let everybody know about it on Twitter. And I'll start re-releasing the first episodes of that and then eventually doing new episodes. That's where I'm at right now in this whole podcasting thing. I hope you enjoyed your week. Have a safe weekend. And I'll see you next week.